0: We continue today in the matter of prayer, as we have in past weeks, emphasizing always the precedence of praise in prayer, that our prayers are always offered to His praise to the glory of the Lord our God. We talked about the who of prayer, that we are to pray to our Heavenly Father in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We talked a little bit about the, the when of prayer, the idea of praying continually, of always uh, having a prayer on your lips, being able to pray in all circumstances, in all situations. Today, I want to turn to what I suspect is, is the question that is primarily on everyone's mind in, uh, in the matter of prayer is, is the matter of what to pray, what to pray, and I in my, uh, my sermon title I put in parentheses what to pray for, and I think everyone's interested in what, what we could, what we should pray for. So we have, uh, we have these questions that uh, Pastor Ben will review with us at the end of the message. We may or may not discuss the answers in the message. It's never my goal to tell you everything you need to know. But it's always my goal to give you food for thought. I really think it's valuable for you to... Come to the end of the message and have questions. Have things in your mind, on your heart, that, uh, that you yet need to explore, that you need to research, look to God's word, pray about, reflect on, meditate. Prayer is not something that comes naturally. Prayer is not something that we're born with. We don't have a natural inclination to pray. Talking to God can in fact kind of be scary. There could be some some reluctance to talk to God. Prayer is something that we have to develop. Prayer is something that we we mature in, that grows in us as we grow in the Lord and in the truth of his word. That is why the disciples very pointedly, very specifically ask Jesus, teach us to pray. It's always true that you you never learn anything until you recognize there's something you don't know. And so it was that the disciples had come to the place that they had recognized there was something about prayer that they didn't know. And they had come to this conclusion as they had followed Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, they had discerned that there was something in Jesus' prayer life that was radically different from the example that had been set before them. Something about Jesus' prayer life was radically different from the religious leaders, the religious elite of that day. And so it was that they asked Jesus, Teach us to pray. And one of the things, part of what Jesus taught to them, we read in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus starts off with some of the do-nots of prayer. I think it's worthwhile for us to give attention to the do-nots of prayer. For Jesus says, when you pray, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. For those of us that have spent a lot of Sundays in church, there's a lot that we recognize here. There's a lot that we recognize here that Jesus' disciples had seen in their religious life, and that they had seen very different about Jesus. For Jesus was no hypocrite. And so Jesus encourages his followers, his disciples, those who look to him, those who know him as Lord, don't be a hypocrite. And so I say to you, first of all, don't pray to impress anybody. Don't pray to be, uh, uh, be an impression on, on any other person. Don't pray to impress anybody else in church. And brothers and sisters, don't teach your children to pray To impress others. Don't teach your children to impress you. Teach your children to pray to our Heavenly Father. Don't pray empty phrases, don't don't pray with words that sound good. Don't pray with words that that don't have any meaning. That's go harkening back to the hypocrite idea, right? Don't think that you have to come up with these these uh, these long uh, eloquent big word phrases. Don't pray empty prayers. Don't pray. Don't pray with words that you have heard from others that impressed you. Don't pray like a hypocrite. Pray your prayer. For those of you that are writing that down, change the your to my. Pray your prayer. Don't pray somebody else's prayer. Pray your word. Talk to your heavenly Father as your heavenly Father. Pray to Him that which which is on your heart, in your mind, in your life. Give it to your heavenly Father. Have a conversation with Him. He wants to hear from you. You hear that? God, your heavenly Father, wants to hear from you. Pray your prayer. Now I would hope that those of us that stand before you here at Sovereign Grace Church that we will never avoid difficult passages in the Bible. We will never avoid the difficult questions. So I I turn to a do not pray this morning from 1 John chapter 5. A difficult scripture. For God's word says to us, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask God and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. I can tell you that this is, in fact, a difficult Bible passage. And I can say that it's difficult because, among the most august of Bible scholars, there is widely different understanding of what is being said here. I will not speak with certainty when others of greater wisdom than I have not. Amen. But other scriptures, and the best way to interpret the Bible is with the Bible, and other scriptures lead us to believe that how we relate to the Holy Spirit is always involved in this question, this issue of the sin that leads to death. The example, I'm sure, that immediately comes to your mind is that of Ananias and Sapphira in, in Acts chapter 5. Did I put that in the list? I don't think I did. No. So, just to remind you, um, the, the, uh, the early Christians, the Christians in Jerusalem, the First Baptist Church in Jerusalem, had been meeting together for some time and, uh, and they were, they were um, looking out for each other. They were, uh, had all things together and uh, were, were a common, uh, united people. Ananias uh, had uh, some land, some property, and the account says that he went and sold this property and he brought the proceeds after having kept some back for himself He brings what's left, so to speak, and gives it to the the apostles uh, for the church. And um, the apostle Peter says to Ananias, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And we're told that Ananias dropped dead in the spot. His wife Sapphira uh, came in afterwards seems to have been uh, a part of the scheme and uh, she likewise uh, accused of lying to the Holy Spirit then dies it seems that the the problem the issue that brought about their death was a their relationship their, their uh the way they They dealt with or related to the Holy Spirit of God. Lying to the Holy Spirit, not something you want to do. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 and following Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Here again we see Jesus giving us to understand that how one relates to the Holy Spirit is what leads to the most grievous of sins. How then should we pray or how should we not pray? I think the answer is pray. I I truly believe the answer is pray about it. Uh, I think the answer is to have wisdom and discernment. And certainly the scripture gives us encouragement, command perhaps even, to pray for wisdom. You're familiar with James chapter 1 and verse 5? that tells us if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Would you understand how God would lead you to pray or to not pray into these matters? Pray that God would give you the wisdom, the discernment. For wisdom wisdom is always very high on the list of things that God wants us to ask for. In answering the question, what should we pray for? I think one of the first answers that God gives us is pray for wisdom. I thought about Solomon. Of course, anytime you hear the word wisdom, those of us that were in ain't ideal Sunday school class, In the Beginners, we know that Solomon was the man who asked for wisdom. If y'all didn't know my ain't ideal, you've lost out. God, well, Solomon prayed, 1 Kings chapter 3. Did I put that on the list? No. Oh, it is. Oh, there it is. Solomon prayed, Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people. In verse 10, keep verse 10. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God had as much as said to Solomon. Now Solomon is David's son, King David. Solomon takes the throne of, uh, of Judea, Judah, uh, after his father David. And God pretty much says to Solomon, ask for anything you want. How many of you don't raise your hand? But I was wondering, if do you ever think about if you ever hit the big one? You know, I don't, what do they call it? The big no, the dot, the red spot. There's a raffle, not a raffle. What do they call that? Uh, um, you buy the tickets, lottery, and a big, big something. Anyhow, you, I mean, you win sixty kazillion dollars if, if, if. Yeah, yeah. And and do you ever think about that? I mean, if I had sixty kazillion dollars, you know, what would I do? Of course you'd say, oh, I'd give a lot to the church. Of course you would. Yeah. God said to Solomon, Solomon, you've hit the jackpot. Ask anything you want. And Solomon prayed for wisdom and for discernment. And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Let's see how much it pleased the Lord. Read on in 1 Kings chapter 3. God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. I say again to you, wisdom is very high on God's list of things that he would have you to ask for in prayer. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. you know he had he had just said that Jesus kind of says in the Old Testament you know it talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and payback get back we read we read psalms where often in the psalms the, the the psalmist says god destroy my enemies god bring bring to the bring to the pit those who oppose me Jesus says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm telling you, praying for those who persecute you will probably not do a thing to them, but it will change you. Hear Jesus' instruction. Pray for those who persecute you. What else? So what? We've talked about what not to pray. Let's talk now some what to pray. Now, Wednesday night, we had a, a good session, an excellent session with God's Word and our, our pastor. came up with a, a great list of that for which we should pray and that we would pray for, for each other, that we would pray in the church. Guess what? guess what was at the top of the list? Can you guess? Wisdom. Huh? Yeah, the Wednesday night crowd nailed it. Wisdom and enlightenment. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 1, numbers of other Bible passages we spent time with giving us an understanding of, of wh- how the Apostle Paul sets the example before us, how we might pray for each other. Wisdom and enlightenment, that we would grow closer to God and we'd grow closer to each other. Pray for faith. Pray for love. Pray for for love that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we would love each other. Pray for love. All good things. Come from God above. Pray for love. Pray for joy. Pray for hope. Pray that your hope. Would be. Ever greater. That you have that strength. That assurance. That confidence. That comes from a genuine hope. In the promises of the Lord our God. A thankful heart. Have trouble with being thankful, being grateful, have difficulty praying for what you've already received, pray for a thankful heart. Again, this is a a wonderful prayer that will bring about a, a newness in your own life and in your own prayer life. Pray for the glory of the Lord in His church. Pray for each other. Pray that grace may abound. Am I going too fast? You can say amen. (laughs) Brother Ben taught us to say amen Wednesday night. (laughs) And I wouldn't be Bill Eller if I didn't stand before you and say from Revelation 22, pray, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord, even so, even so, even now, come Lord Jesus. Live your life so that you can pray this prayer earnestly. Come, Lord Jesus. What else? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. Jesus said, John chapter 14 and verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Do not be reluctant to ask whatever is in your heart, whatever is on your mind, do not be reluctant to take that before your heavenly Father. Pray whatever you will. We've talked much about the purpose of prayer being praised, to glorify God, but understand that we're not looking for, for fancy words or even empty phrases here, but your prayer, your prayer glorifies God. The very fact. The, the, the reality, the, the existence of your prayer is a glory to your Heavenly Father. For you are, you are acknowledging Him. You are, you're giving Him that place of, of lordship in your life. He is the one to whom you pray. We're all good Baptists here. We don't pray to Mary we don't we don't pray to the saints we don't we don't pray to, to some other guy we pray to our heavenly father we pray believing in him we pray in faith we pray in obedience and and all of this truth is to his glory so pray don't be reluctant don't be don't don't don't, don't be reticent to 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 offer your prayer, for it is your prayer that glorifies your heavenly Father. You honor Him by your faith and prayer. Jesus went on to say there in Matthew chapter 7, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? You hear that? You hear what Jesus is saying? Make your request known to God, your heavenly Father, who wants, it is God's desire to do good for you. Today is my last Sunday with our prayer thing. Holy applause. And in summation, pulling it all together, we combine all of our prayers, all of our requests, all of our desires in the teaching of Psalm 37, 4. A memory verse if there ever was one. Delight yourself in the Lord... And he will give you the desires of your heart. The Lord God, your heavenly Father, who wants to do good for you, who desires the best for you, pray knowing that God is for you not against you. You delight in Him knowing that He delights in you. Amen. Delight in Him knowing that He delights in you, His child. A child of God. Not just like the world would have you to to say this. Everybody's a child of God. Well, no, everybody isn't a child of God. And certainly the Bible does not teach that. But rather those whom God has called to be adopted as His children, His sons and daughters, joint heirs with His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Delight in him for he delights in you having called you to adoption as his child. You will not delight in him when you're thinking he does not delight in you. I tell you what, I learned this lesson so well when I was a boy. Cause I, I just, I always had a, a sixth sense, right? I knew when I had done wrong. I, I just, it, it would just lay on me. And I would, I would actually avoid my parents, knowing, knowing that I had done wrong. And I know that there's a there's an inclination that when we have unconfessed sin before our heavenly father that we kind of don't want to be around him i'm going to leave that one for you to think about what's the solution to unconfessed sin When we we can't see God's goodness in our circumstances, when you look around what's going on in your life, the things you don't have, the problems you do have, the hurt, the grief, the pain, the loss, where is God You're miserable. If God loves me, if God is for me, if God wants good for me, why am I so miserable? Delight yourself in the Lord. and He will give you the desires of your heart. Give thanks in all things always, always, always carry in your heart that God, your Heavenly Father, loves you. And regardless of your circumstances, and when you have confessed your sin, He will be Your loving Heavenly Father who wants all that is best for you. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. I know it sounds like kind of a a, a trick situation. It is kind of circular logic, but certainly not a trick. When When you delight when your joy, when your sense of fulfillment, for you psychology people, your, your satisfaction, when, when you have peace in the Lord, your heart's desire will be for your obedience, your submission, your surrender to His glory, His exaltation to His prey. Delight in the Lord and the desires of your heart will be to delight in the Lord. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in yourself, and you are destined for disappointment. You know, the literature is so full of this this point. I've always liked Mark Twain. Maybe I shouldn't, I'm not sure. I always did, though. Good author, good books. Did you read Prince and the Pauper? Everybody should have read Prince and the Pauper. It's like a fifth grade read, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, just to catch you up, maybe you don't remember, the the prince sees the, the poor boy out on the street and the poor boy out on the seat sees the prince up in the castle and somehow or other they get together and decide to switch places. And, and the prince becomes the poor boy in the street who now has this great independence. He can go wherever he wants. and, and, and the poor boy in the street now becomes the prince that has all the, this, this riches at his disposal. Guess what? Yeah. They're both miserable. Neither one of them are happy. neither one of them finds satisfaction. Read it for yourself: Mark Twain, "Prince and the Pauper." How about the old song, "Richard Cory? Remember that one? What was that guy's name that sang that? Anybody remember? No. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, Richard Cory. It's a song. Yeah, yeah look this one up for sure. Richard Cory. Um, but the 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 uh, it's sung in the first person, and uh, Richard Cory is the. Uh, He's the wealthy industrialist. He has the factory. He owns the factory. He's rich and he, and he lives on the house at the top of the hill. And the, the, the song, the, the singer, uh, one of the lines is, I work in his factory. And he talks about how Richard Corey has everything and the people that work in his factory don't have anything. And so he's, you know, I, and it, in fact, the song, the line in the song is, Oh, how I wish that I could be. Richard Corey. And he goes on and on and on. And then the conclusion of the song says Richard Corey went home one night and put a bullet in his head. The literature is replete. There's other examples, some that you're familiar with that I'm not. But it's it's out there. It's prevalent. It's part of the 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 social understanding. You delight in yourself. You're in for disappointment. Self-fulfillment. Self-actualization. Self. self. It's always the honeypot that's just out of reach. Winnie the Pooh. Come on, you got to know that one. The devil's lie is that your delight is in your desire. And he sells that lie by pointing to all the successful people, people who have obtained all they desire. So the lie believed moves us to strive to get all we desire, believing we will then have our delight. But delight is not a tangible thing. You don't hold it in your hand. You don't put it in the bank. You don't show it off to the world. Delight is in your heart. Remember Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where... Thieves do not break in and steal for, Jesus said, remember this one? For Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think it's safe to say, wherever your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I have not intended, it has not been my purpose to give you a design, a process, or a procedure for prayer, something that you would be expected to conform to, that this is the right way, this is what's required, but rather I share with you Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Just to hearken back to the idea that your prayers are your prayers. Don't, Don't compare... Don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't compare yourself to any other person, man, woman, child. The only person that you should ever compare yourself to is Jesus Christ. You don't compare sovereign grace to First Baptist Church, do you? You shouldn't. And yet, I find in my own heart that I believe we are great in the presence of the Lord our God. Let your prayers be your prayers. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, make your, pr- your prayers and supplications with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. God, God knows, right? We, we talk, you know, every time we talk about God's character and who God is, we talk about his omniscience. God knows. He knows it all. He knows everything. God's knowledge is, is far greater. You really don't have to inform him. God's wisdom is wiser than any that you might appeal to otherwise. Pray with assurance of God's knowledge, of God's wisdom. God's goodness is boundless. Make your request known to God, knowing that His goodness is forever and that His love is unconditional. Unconditional. Romans 8, 26 tells us, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. God knows. The Spirit of God is in communion with your spirit that you have been given by which you have been born in Jesus Christ. Pray, for, pray your prayer. Ask what you will. Pray without ceasing. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now to him